So glad that you are here today. Welcome to Element Church. Uh, my name is Andy Hazlett. I am one of the associate pastors here at Element. And uh, whether you're joining us in person or whether you're joining us online, we are so glad that you are here today. Uh, if you don't know, our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Manis, is on sabbatical this summer. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. Healthy churches have healthy pastors. Uh, that's just the truth. And so uh, this sabbatical is a really, really good thing. And it is an awesome thing that our church is investing into our lead pastor uh, so he can have a sabbatical, take a little break away from ministry, have some rest, rejuvenation, and come back ready to lead effectively and passionately as he has done for the last 10 years and will continue to do so. And we're thankful uh, for that. We are continuing a sermon series today that's based on the minor prophets. Each week we're looking at a different minor prophet. And the minor prophets are the last 12 books of the Old Testament. Uh, they are called minor because they are shorter in length, but the message they have for us is a major message. And uh, the book of Micah, Prophet Micah, is the book that we're looking at today. Uh, we have some cards at the tables that are at the entrances to the auditorium. So I, I just encourage you to grab one on your way out today. If you didn't already, it has a picture of uh, the prophet, uh, uh, kind of a silly cartoon type picture. And then there's some information on the back of that card about the prophet itself to help you remember that stuff. There's also, uh, there, there's also the cards from the previous week's sermons in this series as well. Now, how many of you in the room have ever purchased something that the advertisement said one thing, but what you experienced in reality was entirely different? Anybody experienced that before? Lots of you have experienced that before. Well, I will never forget about 10 or 11 years ago, it was early on in uh, our marriage, and uh, my wife, her name is Aubrey, and I bought her a Christmas present. I wanted to buy her an Apple iPod. It was when iPods were still a relatively new thing. It was before touchscreens were, were a reality on the iPods. And the real deal Apple iPod, the, I think the, the new part about it is that it had a color screen. And here's a picture for you. I brought a picture of what I wanted to buy for her. There it is. That's what I wanted to buy for her. And I couldn't afford it because I was a, a poor college student. It was about $250. I could afford about $50. And so I had to, to figure out how to get something different that was maybe similar. And so uh, I went on eBay, just like anybody would do in that situation, went on eBay. And I found some fake iPods that claimed to be, they're just as good, you know, as the real deal. So I thought, how bad could it be, right? And let me just give you a piece of advice, husbands in the room. If you haven't already learned this, um, you know, learn it or be, be refreshed about this. If you are going to buy a gift for your wife, and it just so happens that is more, it, it is more aligned with your interests, rather than her interests, you should probably just go a different direction altogether. But I didn't know that back then. And so I purchased this fake iPod four weeks before Christmas. I didn't realize it until, I af until after I made the purchase that it would be shipping from Hong Kong. And it, uh, it, it arrived the day before Christmas, just in time, you know, just in the nick of time. She opened it on Christmas morning tried to act surprised, tried to act excited, and we got it turned on and got it going, and it was an absolute pile of junk. I mean, it just didn't work at all, and I, I believe we threw it away within the first few hours. Just absolute junk. The advertisement claimed one thing, but in reality, it was a total fraud. We're looking today at the book of Micah, and there's a powerful lesson for us in this book. The big idea for the message today is this. External religion, 
without an internal experience is pointless. The main scripture is Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Now, Micah was a prophet to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And he prophesied during a time of great wealth and affluence. The people had walked away from the Lord and had pursued false gods instead. They were guilty of multiple things, but the primary sin that they were guilty of is they had oppressed the poor in order to gain more wealth. And something that is unique to Micah is that he used the picture of a courtroom with Almighty God bringing a case against the people. God has a beef with the people. He's provided for them, and in response, they have rejected God. So imagine with me today a courtroom, and God, Almighty God, is bringing into the courtroom an accusation against the people. Now, if you consider yourself a Christian in the room today, uh, we can just kind of insert ourselves into this courtroom setting, like God is bringing a case against Christians. Micah 6, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's going to be up on the screens as well. It says this. Listen to what the Lord is saying. Stand up and state your case against me. Now pause right there just for a moment. You don't want to be brought into court by God Almighty. This is kind of an oh crap kind of moment. Okay, that's what's happening here. Continues and says this. Let the mountains and the hills be called to witness your complaints. Did you catch that? That's very interesting. Uh, not only is the accusation coming from God Almighty, you know, the creator of the heavens and the earth, like what luck am I going to have against that, right? But, but the hills and the mountains are going to be the witnesses. And now, O oh mountains, listen to the Lord's complaint. He has a case against his people. He will bring charges against Israel. God is bringing a case against his people. Their relationship at the moment is broken, now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here. And I want to just address a concern that, that you might have about Christians, Christianity, and the church. It, it seems that a common complaint of Christianity, Christians, and the church in general is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And let me just say that in the message today, uh, you're going to see that God has the same problem with Christians in the church. God hates hypocrisy. He just does. He hates hypocrisy. And, and a lot of the content that you're going to see in the message today is directed towards someone that claims to be Christian, but really does not have a genuine faith at all. And I hope more than anything else, I really do, I hope more than anything else that today that you will see that God is not just a God of rules, that he is a God of relationship. I hope that you'll see that today. External religion without an internal experience is pointless. So the big question we're going to ask and uh, answer in the message today is this, what kind of religion pleases God? The first thing we see here in this passage of scripture is this. Number one, remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. Let, let's look at verses three through five. It says this. Oh, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to make you tired of me? Answer me. For I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from slavery. 
I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam to help you. Don't you remember, my people, how King Balak of Moab, Moab tried to have you cursed and how Balaam, son of Beor, blessed you instead? And remember your journey from Achaia Grove to Gilgal when I, the Lord, did everything I could to teach you about my faithfulness. Now, in sort of a surprising twist, the Lord asks them sort of a condescending question. What have I done that you would treat me this way? And then God goes on to cite a few ways of many that he has provided for his people and been faithful to his people. And the clear purpose of this was, the, was for the people to see their unfaithfulness in contrast to God's faithfulness. About nine years ago, uh, my wife Aubrey and I, we moved here to Cheyenne to, to join the staff here at Element Church. And uh, uh, I was finishing Bible college in Oklahoma, and we were kind of looking at the different, different opportunities to, to, go to go to a church and to devote our lives to ministry. Believe God had called us to that. Believe God still called us to that. And uh, we had a few different opportunities, but uh, Element Church in Cheyenne was one of those opportunities. And so we came up here, we interviewed, we, uh, we visited and everything, and, and we had absolutely no question in our minds and hearts that this is where God wanted us to be, and this is where we wanted to be. And, uh, and so we made the move to come up here to Cheyenne. Now, our church at that time, nine years ago, uh, was, uh, it was less than a year old. Uh, we were meeting over in the Carmike movie theaters in the Frontier Mall here in Cheyenne. And uh, we were a young church, but we were growing like crazy. Things were going really well. Uh, but part of the situation is uh, because we were a young church, resources were limited. And so we were going to have to find some jobs outside of the church to kind of make ends meet and to be able to come up here and, and be part of this church staff. And so uh, day after graduation from college, we packed up our stuff into this tiny little trailer and we came up here to Cheyenne and the first thing we needed to do was find jobs. Like we really needed jobs. And I think we had about four or five weeks worth of savings to kind of uh, make it. You know, we lived with somebody else for, uh, for a few weeks until I could find a job. And, and uh, so we had this huge prayer request, like I needed a job. So we prayed like crazy. I searched like crazy. I had everybody I knew uh, that was a believer to pray with me like crazy, and God provided a job, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, I'll never forget how thankful I was. It, it was not a life or death kind of situation, but it felt like a life or death kind of situation, you know, and God, God provided, and uh, we were able to, I was able to work at the Walmart distribution center for about nine months uh, until the church was able to bring us on full time and uh, focus, focus most of my time here at, at the church, and I'll never forget, and you can, you can probably think back to a time in your life where you really needed God to provide. Like you had a big need, you needed God to provide. And when God did provide, and when you recognized that God provided, you had this intense sense of thankfulness for the way that God provided for you. And when I think back to how God provided for us, not just that time, but over, over, even just over the last nine years, how God has provided for us in so many different ways, there's a couple things that God does in me. And, and the first thing is this, I'm reminded that God is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. When we look back at our lives and when, when we read in the scriptures about what God has done, we see a faithful God. We do. And secondly, probably most importantly here, is that I also experience a fresh challenge of my own faithfulness. This is what God is doing here in these few verses. 
He's saying, what have I done to make you turn from me? I have provided, yet you have been unfaithful to me. Here's a great question that we can and should ask ourselves today based on the faithful track record of our God. It's this, is my current faithfulness in sync with God's faithfulness or is it in contrast to God's faithfulness? External religion without an internal experience is pointless. So what kind of religion pleases God? We must first remember the faithfulness of God. And then number two is this. We must resist bargaining. Must resist bargaining. Verses 6 through 7 says this. What can we bring to the Lord? What should we, uh, should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? See, God confronts the people with their sin, and this is how they respond. They, they ask how they can buy off their debt. They attempt to settle the dispute. They ask the question, how can we smooth this over. They take out their wallet, they pull out some bills, and they ask, what's it going to cost to make this right? How can, we, how can we smooth this over? They start with just the basic sacrifice, and then they elevate the commitment. Okay, the regular sacrifice isn't enough. How about 1,000 bulls? What if I offered 1,000 bulls instead? Oh, that's still not enough. How about 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Still not enough? I'll go really far then, as far as a human being can go, and I will offer what is most precious to me. What if I offer my very child, my firstborn child, if I offered him to you in sacrifice, would that be enough to forgive me of my sin? And, and by the way, human sacrifice was a common practice in that day of pagan religions and even of a few of the wicked kings in Israel. It's, it was a practice that was condemned by God. And one of the commentators I, I ran across said this, but God doesn't bargain with sinners. And none of the sacrifices they offered to bring could have cleansed them from their sins. Here's the truth. God doesn't want their bargaining chip. God wants nothing to do with their money. They can't buy him off. They can't buy him off. There's nothing they can offer God that will really make things right with him. Nothing they can offer God. How many of you have regular bills that you, you have to pay on a regular basis? Anybody? Regular bills? Like most of us, right? It's just a kind of a regular part of life. And whether it's a utility bill or the water bill, electric bill, whatever it is, we all have bills that we have to pay on a regular basis. Now, now uh, every month I have a relationship with my electric company, right? You, you do as well. Uh, it's very basic in its form, but you have a relationship with them. Like they provide electricity to your house. And you use that electricity on a daily basis. And then uh, once a month, you're supposed to pay for that electricity. Otherwise, they're going to break up with you at some point, right? That's what, that's what happens. In some way, uh, you have a relationship. I have a relationship with the electric company, but it is different than, let's say, the relationship I have with my wife, right? Like it should be different, at least. If it's the same, that's not good. I'm just telling you that right now. 
Now, just like every married couple, uh, my wife, Aubrey, and I, we, we, you know, we share that we have different chores that we are both kind of responsible for. And, and uh, you know, for example, uh, we both kind of share the cooking responsibilities. Sometimes we do that together, sometimes separately, whatever. We share the cooking responsibilities. Uh, I normally do the laundry because she hates doing the laundry, and I don't really mind doing it so bad. And uh, on the other hand, she normally mows the lawn, which I know is kind of funny, but she, she likes to mow the lawn, and I'm, that's cool. Whatever I don't I don't love mowing the lawn. I'll do it if I have to, but that's great if you want to do that. And then from time to time, jokingly, she will thank me for being such a good housewife, and I'll say, "Thank you for showing some appreciation. That really makes me feel good inside." Obviously, I'm just being silly a little bit, but imagine with me if I come home to my wife and it's been a long day, and I come into the house, she's already she's cooked dinner that night, and maybe she mowed the lawn as well. And I come into my wife and I say, babe, I just need a hug. Like I just need I just need to cuddle a little bit because my coworkers were really mean to me today. And I just need some cuddle time. And what if she responded by just saying, I cut the grass, I made dinner for you. What more do you want? Like, I held up my end of the bargain. I think this, like, hugging, cuddling thing is going a little bit too far. Like, I, if that happened, I might cry a little or a lot. Now, as silly as that may be, as silly as that may, as that may be, we often bring that kind of pay-the-bills mentality into our relationship with God. Like, he provides the salvation, and we give a little bit to our church. We serve a little bit to our church. He's, he, he provides that. It's almost like we're paying for a salvation subscription. However, the truth is, we cannot purchase salvation. Even if we tried, we couldn't do it. Uh, we can only believe in the one that gives salvation. John 6, 28 and 29 says, They replied, we want to perform God's, uh, God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. You see, this bargaining mentality, it really describes a heart that is filled with pride. It stands in opposition to the humble and repentant heart that God is looking for. God is looking for the kind of repentant heart that we see in the people on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.37. And it says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? It pierced their hearts. So here's a question for us today. And, and I think it's a powerful question. Is Jesus your Lord or is he your business partner? Is Jesus your Lord or is he your business partner? Like, like when you're challenged about something in your life that you know is out of sync with God's will for your life, do you, do you respond with a deep, repentant sorrow because you have a love for God? Or do you become defensive, justifying your behavior rather than repenting to God? External religion without an internal experience is is pointless. So what kind of religion pleases God? We must first remember the faithfulness of God. Secondly, we must resist trying to bargain with God. And lastly, number three is this. 
We must receive the relationship. Must receive the relationship. Micah 6 verse 8 says this. Know, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. This is truly an amazing verse. Probably the most well-known verse from the book of Micah. It's, it's amazing. However, the, the problem is that we often look at this verse and we study it and we, we often do the exact opposite of what, of what we should and we turn it into a checklist. God spells out clearly what he wants from us. Do what is right, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. It sounds like a great three-point sermon to me. Uh, now, even though this verse might look really good in a picture frame hanging up on our wall at home, we often misinterpret it. We like to think maybe that we could accomplish these things, but the more you really study it, the more you'll see that we fall short every time. It is true that God requires that we do what is right. But we cannot do what is right unless we are made right by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. It is true that, that God requires that we love mercy, but you and I cannot love mercy until we've truly experienced the God of mercy and have received a heart to love other people the way that he loves other people. And it's absolutely true that God requires that we walk with him in humility. But we cannot walk with him in humility unless we first humbly confess our sins and receive forgiveness. In other words, God is not just interested in your good behavior. He doesn't just want for you to be a good boy or a good girl. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to adopt you into his family as a son or a daughter. You see, relationship makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. When King David was confronted with his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, he cried out to God for forgiveness in Psalm 51. And in verses 16 through 17, he said, You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Relationship makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. As a child of God, when you sin against God, and you experience the conviction of God's spirit in your heart, it absolutely wrecks you. You don't want to sin against God because you have a love for God. A while back, uh, I overheard a conversation that uh, a woman that is married and has children was having with a, uh, a man that is single with no children. It's just kind of a random conversation that I happened to, to overhear. And they were talking about being married and having kids. That was kind of the, the subject. And uh, it was one of, those, one of those kind of conversations where she was joking, like kind of joking, but kind of being serious. You're not really sure if she was joking all the way. I think that you're kind of thinking there's, there's probably some truth to what was being said. Kind of joking, kind of being serious. And she made some comments about how dumb she is for being married and having kids. 
joking, laughing, ha, 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 you know, don't get married, don't have kids, all this stuff, you know. And then she went on to characterize her marriage as boring. And then uh, she talked about her children, and she made uh, some comments about her children. And she said, uh, you know, don't have kids. All they do is take all of the fun out of your life and cost you money. That was the comments that was made. And honestly, it broke my heart. I know she was joking and laughing and something, but it absolutely broke my heart. And I think what broke my heart the most is that her son was within earshot of this conversation. Broke my heart. I thought, I hope that he didn't hear her. And I hope that she doesn't really think that. You know, Aubrey and I were talking uh, shortly thereafter, and I just made, I told her about this conversation I happened over here, and I, I just told her, I, man, I really hope that that's not true. I really hope that's not true. Because I, I understand, you know, like being married, it costs you something. You know, if you're going to devote your life, if you're going to commit your life in the covenant of marriage to someone for the rest of your life, it means you're saying no to lots of other things, right? Like you're saying no to other relationships and you're saying no to other things. It's going to cost you something. If, you, if you're going to have children, it's going to cost you something, is it not? Like it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cause you sleep. It's going to cost you your sanity. It's going to cost you lots of things, right? Like I get it. I understand that marriage and, and children are going to cost you something. There's going to be lots of, lots of things that need to change in your life. But isn't the relationship worth it? You know? Like, think about that in your own life. Isn't the relationship worth it? You know, if you have children, if you, if you, if you have a spouse, and you think about all the things you've given up, or all the changes you've had to make in your life so that you could be married and have children, uh, isn't it worth it? Like, you don't think, you don't count the dollar. I hope you don't count all the money you've spent on your children. Think, man, I'm just not sure, just not sure if it's worth it, babe. Uh, you know, maybe next year we'll try better. I, I don't know. That, that's heartbreaking to me. Because the relationship is, is worth it. And so often we characterize Christianity as a set of rules. We characterize our faith by a set of external behaviors that may, or in some cases, may not have anything to do with really following God. Does God have standards? Absolutely, he has standards, but he doesn't just want for you and for me to follow some rules. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to produce in you, and he wants to produce in me the fruits of his spirit. Relationship makes all the difference. External religion without an internal experience is, is pointless. And I don't know where you're at on this whole religion thing, but what I do know is that God is after you. He's in pursuit of you, and he wants a relationship with you. I know that. I want to just take a few moments today as we close the service to uh, just bow your eyes, clo uh, just bow your heads, close your eyes with me, and uh, just want to just take a moment to pray and to reflect on this, because here's what I know. I know that, that there's some in this room today that you've never believed in Jesus for salvation. You've never invited Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And maybe you've always thought of Christianity as just a set of rules 
or some, some external behaviors and you just weren't that interested in just following some, some different rules. And maybe you never realized until today that, that Christianity is more than just some rules. It's about a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know that today you can begin that relationship with Jesus by trusting in Jesus for your salvation, believing in, in him as Lord, asking God to forgive you for the sin in your life and for rejecting him, and inviting him to be the Lord over every part of your life. Like you can begin that relationship with him today. Is there anybody in the room that by just slipping up your hand would say, that's me. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I want to today. Is there anybody that would say that here today? I think there's also a group of us in this room today that perhaps Perhaps you live a basically religious life. Perhaps you've been in the church for many, many years. Perhaps you even give financially and serve with your time. And, and, and maybe your life is basically religious. And you've got lots of external religious behaviors going on in your life. But maybe you, you recognize today, maybe you're challenged today that, that you don't actually have a relationship with, with Jesus but you want one. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand again? Don't be looking around, but uh, just acknowledging to God that that's you. Is anybody here that would say that today? Awesome. Whether you need Jesus in your life for the very first time, or maybe you've never genuinely entered into a relationship with him, just invite you to pray this prayer with me. This is just between you and God. Uh, the Lord hears the the honest cry of your heart. You can pray this after me if that's you. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I believe that you are Lord and I'm asking you today to come into every area of my life. Save me, Jesus. Make me into a new creation and help me to walk in relationship with you. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, just want to encourage you to uh, mark on a connection card that you believed in Jesus for salvation today. You can drop into one of the giving boxes throughout the church. And uh, uh, also, over at guest services, we have Bibles that are available to you. We also have a Next Steps devotional to help you uh, begin your walk with the Lord as well. And uh, if you'd like one of those, you can stop by guest services, just ask for one, and it'd be our honor to give you one free of charge, no strings attached. Uh, you don't have to put your name down on anything. We just would love to give you that as our gift to you today. I'm going to close in prayer, and then Kylie has a few just closing things for us as we go today. Lord, I pray that you would make us right with you so that we can be righteous. I pray that you would show us your mercy and teach us what it means to love mercy. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us our sin and give us a humble spirit to walk in step with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you desire a relationship with us rather than merely an external set of rules. We love you, Lord. Pray these things in your name. Amen.